You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. And today we are going to dive into some free agency. There's still a ways to go before free agency officially opens. That will be till really the middle of March. But today I think we're just going to go over a quick a couple of free agent targets that each of us think should possibly be on the Giants' radar this offseason. Before we get to that, we'll hit up some quick news. One person we will not be talking about in this free agency preview and someone we had talked about many times previously in the review editions of this podcast is Eric Reed. Eric Reed was a safety signed with the Carolina Panthers on Monday. Signed an extension, going to be about three years and a 22 million, which is not bad for Eric Reed. He ended up being a very good player for the Panthers. Ended up playing a lot more single high safety than probably he was accustomed to, but did improve in that role. Uh, he was good. Someone we continually said during the start of the year should have been on the Giants' radar, especially when it was very apparent Curtis Riley was struggling from just about week one, Reed signed with the Panthers, so signing a three-year extension there, he was scheduled to be a free agent. And then the other big news, which we've kind of briefly talked about, if you listen to our quarterback episode last week with Mark Schofield, we spent a lot of time talking about Kyler Murray. He had announced that he was going to go to the Combine, but now uh, officially will be an NFL quarterback. He said that on Monday afternoon that he's putting baseball aside. He is full steam ahead to the NFL. So that is very amazing news. And I think that makes both of us on this podcast very happy. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd be happier, by the way. Hi, Dan. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'd be happier if he was playing quarterback for the Giants, but it's just good to know that he will be doing it because he's fun to watch. And hopefully we don't have to watch him twice a season for the next five years. Yeah, so that that's one thing. I actually did a guest spot with the Hogs Haven. They'll be launching a podcast soon. I'm not sure when that episode is going to go up, but uh, I was talking to, I know, one of the guys who's hosting that, and we were just kind of talking about quarterbacks and how the NFC East might go, and I told them the only player that would scare me that Washington could draft would be Kyler Murray. I think that goes the same as whoever drafts Kyler Murray. I am... Uh, immediately scared of that team. I also think Kyler Murray immediately makes the Giants one of the most dangerous and uncoverable offenses in the league. But we, as we've discussed, he might not fit the Dave Gettleman 
the Pat Shermer mold. So we still have a lot of time to discuss all of that, but the, we have to bring it up because that was one of the questions we had talked about, especially with Mark, of whether football was going to be that full-time thing he pursued. And now it seems to be that. So at least we can get that question out of the way. There's probably a number of more questions that we'll get about him uh, until draft time but right now that question is out of the way so it's it's football from here on out yeah definitely and you know the the first bit of news i think kind of brings us into our subject for the day which is just kind of an, an early look at free agency and who we think might or at least should be on the giants radar yeah, yeah, it's really never too early to to start looking at some of these guys. And like Eric Reed, who probably would have been one of our targets, there's you know the chance that these guys are going to get re-signed or franchised, although probably none of the guys we're talking about are going to get franchised. That would probably be a surprise. What we're going to do is just each of us, I think, have three players uh, who we would like to see the Giants at least have some interest in, uh, if not just outright sign this offseason. So we're going to try to have this be realistic. We're going to kind of consider money. Uh, we obviously have no idea what these guys are going to sign for. And with free agency, like even if you have an educated guess, that could be way off because some of the money that gets thrown around. So we'll try to stay somewhat realistic. I think when you look at what the Giants have right now, they have about $28.2 million in cap space. That's per over the cap. And that obviously is very fluid. Uh, there's definitely ways the Giants can open up some cap space. They can sign Eli Manning to uh, to an extension just to make a dummy year. Uh, I'm not a fan of that because it does put like $5 million on the cap for 2020 instead of just having a clean break. But that is an option. Restructuring Odell Beck is an option that I've kind of been exploring. You can get up to about $12.7 million if you restructure Beckham's 2019 salary to the veteran minimum and then make that a signing bonus. You obviously don't have to take him all the way down to the minimum. You can do anything in between. That could free up even like just $7 million. That's a lot. I mean, obviously there's the this cutting Olivier Vernon, cutting Janoris Jenkins. There's many things that are going to be talked about. So the Giants will have more cap space than the $28.2 million that we're talking about right now. But even so, they're not going to have a huge amount of cap space so we're not going to say oh, the Giants should sign like Demarcus Lawrence or Jadavian Clowney because that's probably not going to happen those guys are going to be out of the Giants price range so with that why don't we dive into your first guy Chris yeah and my first guy I'm I will say I'm picking him I'm kind of trying to think like Dave Gettleman and I have I've said this a few times I pretty much expect the Giants to just throw money at Carolina Panthers right tackle Daryl Williams. The Giants cannot go into 2019 with Chad Wheeler at right tackle. They know it. I think pretty much everybody knows it. And given the strength of the draft on the defensive side and their need to really address the quarterback position, I expect them to try to fix the offensive line in free agency and it wouldn't surprise me if they do wind up rolling into 2019 with John Jalapio at center and Jamon Brown at right guard, which leaves right tackle. Personally, I think I might go for Juwan James out of Miami. He has been better, but the giants like 
familiarity, at least this Giants regime likes familiarity, and Gettleman drafted Darrell Williams once, I would not be at all surprised to see him sign him in free agency. Those are dots a lot of people seem to be connecting. Although a lot of people tried to connect the dots between the Giants and Andrew Norwell last year, and I guess there was some interest, but Norwell is down in Jacksonville. So people are kind of assuming Daryl Williams will sign. He missed basically all of 2018. He came into the season with a knee injury. He tried to play in week one and then exited week one and then was lost for the season afterwards. So he's going to be coming off a, a torn MCL and dislocated kneecap. Those were his injuries in the preseason. And then he, he tried to come back and again, injured for basically the entirety of 2018. So he'll be coming in without playing uh, for a year. And then one of the other things, in 2017, he he struggled quite a bit. If you look at his uh, blown block numbers for Sports Info Solutions, uh, he had 22 blown blocks on 996 snaps, and 20 of those blown blocks came on 549 pass-blocking snaps. So that is a 3.6% blown block rate. And that is actually terrible. That's... uh, bottom third is being uh, conservative there. If you look at guys this year who did that, say Eric Flowers between the Giants and the Jaguars had a blown block rate of 3.04% passing. So so that's not getting you uh, in great company. So so we'll see if there were some injuries that, that held him back there. Um, if the Giants just really think he should be you know, the right tackle that they're and it also, it's going to be interesting to see what what his market is going to be. If he's going to get hit because of the missing an entire season due to a knee injury, or if because there's a lack of tackles on this market, if he's going to get paid. That's what happened with Nate Solder. Yeah, now, I, at least with the Giants, I don't expect his blown block rate to enter into the equation all that much because, well... You just need to get out of here with your silly analytics. The injury that could bring his price down, you know, being a right tackle, you know, Nate Solder was a left tackle, and we went over this a week ago. This It doesn't apply on the field, but at least when it comes to contracts, left tackle is much more valuable. So between that and the injury, he might be a more affordable option anyway. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that balance. He does have... You know, the right tackle thing, I guess, working against him, and he has the injury working against him. So if the Giants can maybe get him on, on a cheaper deal and they're not you know, paying top-of-the-market right tackle money, when you look at someone like Bobby Nassi of Chicago, who the Giants you know, probably would have looked at, but he re-signed with the Bears just a couple weeks ago. So he signed for four years and $32 million. Uh, that's, you know, not... Not really that bad. He'll make less than $10 million, uh, a year by his cap hits over you know, from 2020 to 2023. Uh, so that's you know, not terrible, although if the Giants are going to be paying that for someone who you know, is not a top-tier right tackle, then that's, again, going to bring in the question of the value there, especially when you could possibly bring in someone in, in the first or second round. Um, but we can move on now. One of my guys is going to be Justin Coleman, cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. Coleman was excellent in coverage in 2018. So per Sports Info Solutions and Football Outsiders, among 
85 qualified cornerbacks, and there's a couple of things that go into the qualifications, either three and a half targets per game, 50 targets for the season, or eight games started. So among 85 cornerbacks who qualified, Coleman was fifth with 5.4 yards per pass, and he was fifth in success rate. Uh, at 62%. He was one of few players to be in the top 10 in both. So Coleman is only listed at 5'11", but he is someone who played both the outside and played a lot in the slot for the Seahawks. He's someone who can be still a physical corner, even though he's not at that you know, prototypical six foot plus size that the Seahawks have come to target. But Coleman was was very good. 38.9% of his pass snaps came in the slot and 56.7% of his targets came in the slot. Uh, but he's someone who has that versatility to play uh, both inside and outside. And if you're looking at someone with the Giants, that's something that you should be needed. You want that versatility, especially when you don't know how the secondary is going to play out. So if you have someone who is going to be able to you know, maybe play the slot, maybe be that number two or even number one guy if needed on the outside, that's something. And he uh, is only going to turn 26 uh, in March. So I think when you look at some of the other slot options, you're probably going to have you know, Bryce Callahan, who's going to probably make a, a lot more money. You have Pierre Desir, who might make uh, more money from the Colts. So if you start going down, you might be able to get Justin Coleman on, on a decent deal. And that's going to be a big help to the secondary. Oh, yeah. the I think the secondary is g- probably going to be a lot of what we focus on here. In fact, it might even be the rest of what we focus on. And with good reason. It was just not good last year and they don't have any solid concrete answers going forward you know we're both fair pretty high on sam beal but he's a question mark landon collins is a free agent curtis riley is not good janoris jenkins might be a cap casualty and i think we both agree webb should probably be depth so they need to build a secondary basically from scratch or they might have to anyway yeah, and that's that's something we've talked about. I think we when we did the defensive positional review podcast, we kind of talked about how the secondary should be a bigger focus in the offseason than the pass rush because the pass rush was, despite the lack of sacks, the pass rush was actually fine because there was pressure, but the secondary was just bad overall, whether there was pressure or not, and, and that was the problem. So yeah, we are going to continue to talk about the secondary for the rest of this time. So let's move on to your next guy. Yeah, you know, you covered cornerback. I'm going to go back to free safety. And again, I'm going to try to put myself in Dave Gettleman's shoes and get somebody that James Betcher is familiar with and go for Tyron Matthew. He was drafted and was a star under Betcher in Arizona. He had a good year for the Houston Texans. So reunite the two of them. You know, he's got that free safety cornerback hybrid skill set that they seem to want at the position. And assuming the Giants retain Landon Collins, the fact that both of them can be scary coming downhill would play off of each other really well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that's you know, someone we talked about in the before the season that well I guess we didn't have the podcast before the season but not I guess we wrote about not on recorded audio but we did have discussions um, about the Giants 
had, having interest in Tyron Matthew when he was released by Arizona after that new coaching staff came in. And he ended up only signing a, you know, a one-year deal with Houston. He was coming off uh, a torn ACL. So we only signed a one-year deal that ended up being $7 million, and he easily outplayed that contract. So he is going to make more than that on this next deal. He's going to be 27, but he does. He still has that range. He can, he can play a single high deep safety. He doesn't do that you know, as much. He can come up and play slot corner, and he can, he can be in, in the box safety. He can also blitz there. So he's, yeah, a very versatile guy really hit his stride with James Betcher. So that is, is something the Giants should absolutely look at. And it's, it's a little surprise they maybe weren't a little more aggressive last offseason. So I'm not sure if that is just something philosophically that is going to carry over into this offseason. But I would absolutely like to see him be someone the Giants target. Yeah, so when we get to your next guy. All right, so I'm going to stick at safety. I'm also going to stick at a, a former Cardinal, although that time as a Cardinal was not with James Betcher. It was just last year. That is Trey Boston. Um, Boston is one of the really few just straight-up single-high safeties and guys who can, who can handle that responsibility. He is someone, you leave him back there, he can cover from sideline to sideline, and he can handle that responsibility. And there's a lot of guys who can't, and we see the amount of, of cover one that's played in the NFL right now, and you know that's just with one single man coverage with a single high safety, that's what the Giants played the, you know, a lot of, and they just they didn't have the safety who can cover. And that's obviously something they need to improve upon. So Trey Boston only played in a handful of games because he was also injured last year. But again, he's only going to be 27. He only signed for $2.5 million last year with the Cardinals. I don't know how much higher that's going to go up, uh, considering he, he is coming off that injury again, but even if it is you know, something in the maybe even like $6 million range, that is not bad for someone who just gives you that safety net in the back of the defense. And so often that safety net had holes in it for the Giants. Um, I'm not even sure if it was connected sometimes last year. Uh, if you have someone like Boston who can just easily fit in there and then you just have to worry about everyone in front of him and have that deep part of the field just accounted for, that is just, it's so much easier to run a defense that way. Yeah, and like you say, especially the kind of defense the Giants want to run, even if they maybe decide to make a change and keep Landon Collins as a box safety full-time, maybe run something like a uh, a three-three-five look as their base defense with Collins as a kind of safety linebacker hybrid or make him the money backer instead of Alec Ogletree. Yeah, that would add speed to the defense, but then you could you would also have Trey Boston back there just locking everything down and being that final line of defense and actually being good at it as opposed to Curtis Riley. And then maybe have Michael Thomas or Sean Chandler as a more traditional strong safety. But having that guy back there would allow them to do those things. It would allow them to ex experiment more, disguise their coverages better, be more aggressive with the blitz, and also capitalize on the pressure 
Yeah, it's it's so important to have that piece, especially you know the way the Giants played. We just saw how many times Curtis Riley was in that position and just you know, couldn't handle it. So if we now move on to your guy, I think that is we'll tip our hand a little bit that it's someone who is in the same mold but takes that to pretty much the extreme. Yeah, you know what? I figured I had a couple other players. I was considering when I was drawing up my list, Anthony Barr from Minnesota, just to get another or just to get a really high quality linebacker who can make splash plays, ranging all that. I was also considering Jordan Hicks for two reasons. One, because the Giants really need a linebacker who can cover effectively. And also anytime you can take a good player away from a division rival, you have to at least consider it. And he is one of their best defensive players with his range and ability to create turnovers. But I decided to go for the home run swing. I put on my 99 jersey and took an Aaron Judge cut, Earl Thomas. So that would be super interesting. And I think it is... Uh, we talked about we'll we'll try to be realistic with money, and I think that's signing someone like Earl Thomas probably means Landon Collins wouldn't be on the roster. But if you look at it in a way that might be slightly better, uh, that that might be a trade that makes the Giants just better overall. Uh, as good as a player as Landon Collins is. And you know, Earl Thomas is, is going to be 30, so that would give you some hesitation, maybe. But uh, he's also you know, coming off a torn ACL. That might give you some hesitation. But that could also you know, lower his, his contract value, possibly. If you look at ESPN did a fun thing. Uh, Bill Barnwell put up a just kind of a sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure free agency type thing where you pick one free agent to sign somewhere and it gives you some, you know, other other moves that could, you know, be a result of that happening. It's a fun thing to just kind of play around with. I, not all of them are are super logical and really, you know, stick to any meaning, but it's just kind of, you know, fun to see around in some of the, the moving pieces of an offseason. But one of the main pieces that you can look at is Earl Thomas. And the the three different deals Barnwell put out was having Thomas at signed for three years, 33 million. In another scenario, he signs for three years, 36 million. In another, he signs for four years, 40 million. And those aren't terribly high cap hits. So that's probably, you know, around where Landon Collins is going to sign. If you And if you believe that having that single high safety, everything we talked about, Trey Boston still holds, but Earl Thomas is that to like an infinite degree. Earl Thomas just makes an entire defense better. No one has better sideline to sideline range, probably still with him coming off that ACL injury. So if you look at Ben Baldwin of the Athletic did a post the last offseason when Thomas was holding out for a new contract with the Seahawks and he looked at the the difference between the Seattle defense when Earl Thomas was on the field and when he wasn't. And difference is absolutely insane. Basically, the Seahawks are maybe an average to below average defense without Earl Thomas. And they're one of the best pass defenses in the league with Earl Thomas on the field. So like we said about Boston, you put someone like Thomas back there 
and you don't have to worry about the back part of the field. It makes coverage easier for the cornerbacks. It makes rushing the passer easier for the edge rushers because any deep ball, like teams did not throw deep on the Seahawks when Earl Thomas was back there. It's so that just, it completely takes away part of an opposing offense. Uh, and if the Giants really want to take a swing, I mean, Earl Thomas, I think would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it would be possible for them to keep Landon Collins and Ed Earl Thomas, but they would have to make some, I think, difficult decisions cap-wise. Janoris Jenkins would probably be, would have to be a former Giant. They would have to think long and hard about the $17 million of cap room that Eli Manning represents and whether or not they can keeping him or cutting him is the best move for the franchise or whether or not they would, they would just be able to bring themselves to do it. They can free up the money to make these moves, but that's also easier said than done. Yeah. And if it, and it depends how aggressive the giants want to get, that's a big swing. And, and we don't know, we really don't know right now how the Giants view themselves. Last year, they kind of gave off the, yeah, we, we think we can compete. We still think Eli has years left. And so they they signed some of these big deals and they signed these veterans. They kept Eli Manning on the contract he was. They took a running back second overall. But then when that didn't work out, they kind of blamed, oh, well, look at all the roster turnover we had. We, we knew that was going to happen and that was going to be a problem. So I, I don't think they, they shouldn't have the roster turnover excuse this year. Uh, and if they're going into you know, 2019 with Eli Manning and some other you know, veteran free agents, I would think you know, they would give off the idea that they're going to compete and contend. So if that is the case, you know, taking a swing on some of these big tier free agents you know, might make more sense than it would otherwise. Yeah, and... I'm not sure how much more we can add to that, especially without knowing where they want to be aggressive. You know, last year they largely ignored the secondary. You know, they added just about every journeyman defensive back they could find, and they tried them at sa- at safety, they tried them at corner, they tried them ev- everywhere they could, and just kept cycling through, basically through the entire off season. It will be interesting to see, I think, whether or not they have a change of philosophy with regards to the secondary, if they actually choose to invest in it, or if Gettleman decides, I like big guys, I'm going after big guys, and you don't need defensive backs anyway. Right, yeah. We we've t- we also talked about this in the defensive review a- episode, that they took a quantity over quality approach uh, in the secondary and that obviously didn't work out <laughs> now I, I might be maybe maybe a bit of a hypocrite with what I'm going to bring up now as the next suggestion which is a taking a flyer on Jason Veray so Veray has only played five games over the past three seasons so obviously that is a bit of a red flag he played four games in 2016 one game in 2017 and he missed all of 2018. In his rookie season of 2014, he only played six games, but in 2015, he played 14 games. So he only has one healthy season of his now five-year career. Uh, Obviously, that is not great, but in that 2015 season, Jason Veray was 
one of the best corners in the league. Even in those four games in 2016 that he played, he was one of the best corners in the league uh, before he got hurt. So if you can maybe bring him in, get him on an incentive-laden contract, there's basically no guaranteed money in it, maybe a million dollars or so, and have everything else in incentives. That's a lottery ticket that makes a lot of sense because it is going into that a quantity play, but also there's the quality upside. When you looked at some of the guys the Giants brought in last year, the B.W. Webbs, the Curtis Rileys, the, the best case scenarios on those guys were not very high ceilings. Uh, if you bring in Jason Beret now, who had you know the entire season to rehab, and he, if he gets to you know what he could be, that's again one of the best corners in the league, and you can have a contract where it's not that much money, and and then you have the upside. So there's there's very little risk outside of just having him on the roster. And I think we've seen the Giants are not opposed to having risks like that on the roster. And I just think the upside there of having someone who could contribute is so high. I think taking a flyer on someone, especially Jason Beret, just makes a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, definitely. The cornerback position is, it seems to be, especially with the Giants, a high attrition position. You usually have at at least two on the field. A lot of the times you've got three. There are situations and packages where you could have four on the field. And then guys get hurt. Yeah, they're elite athletes having to do things that the human body generally isn't designed to do. We're generally not designed to run backwards at full speed and then turn and then jump and do all of those things. So it, it's a fairly high risk position as well. So having a guy who, even if he starts out as depth, who can come in and then play at a high level, that is not a bad thing to have. And if you can have him on a low cost deal, you almost have to at least consider it. Yeah, it's, I think it's one of those things where if you're not considering it and not looking into it, uh, you're not doing your job. So I think the, the risk-reward there is something where I think the reward outweighs the risk, especially if you can structure the contract in a way that, that there's, there's not a lot of, of guaranteed money at all, and it's incentives. And if he plays well, he gets that money, and he earns that money. And so if he's earning that money, you are seeing the benefits on the field. I think that's absolutely the type of structure Varey could be after, and maybe the only structure he'll be offered this offseason. So I think the upside is there, and if, if you need to take some sort of swing, like the Giants don't have a lot of other options. Uh, so... No, I think that's that's something they should be trying to get as much upside as they can. Yeah, they well, they need as much upside as they can get, especially in their defensive secondary. They're kind of in a position where they need to take those swings. Yeah, it is. And I think part of that is we need to kind of figure out what the Giants are right now. Are they still trying to rebuild? Uh, do they think they can compete for the NFC East in 2019? Uh, I'm still a little hesitant in in personally saying they could. I the Giants started the season last year thinking that was the case, so maybe they're they still think it this year. So 
We'll see. What is undisputable, though, is they do need to add more talent on the defense. Uh, so it's not surprising that five of the six people we brought up are on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's something we can all agree on. So we'll just continue to see what that looks like going forward because we do have a lot of time to go until free agency. But I think this is a good kind of first look on some of the guys maybe the Giants should be looking at. With that, we're going to end today's podcast. It'll be a little quicker than normal it's because we're, we're trying to get things out. It's it's very much the offseason and before things are really happening. So so we have just some time to play around. If you guys have some, some ideas for what you would like to hear from us, let, uh, let us know. So you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You please rate and review if you have not. That helps us out greatly. You can follow our work on bigblueview.com. Follow us on Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.